Good morning. There we go. Sorry. I, uh, the mic is on now. Uh, we are glad that, that you guys are here to, to worship with us. Uh, if this is your first time at Church in the Valley, I'm just going to catch you up, or if you haven't been in here in a few weeks, uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, called uh, My Life in Focus. And in this series, we're talking about the importance of vision uh, in life and really how vision is the picture of things that we'd like to see uh, happen, uh, outcomes that we'd like to, to come about in kind of big picture life, like related to my purpose, but also in the small things like my relationships and my finances and the things that I've been given. And kind of the purpose of this series is to look at how the picture we have in our minds is actually uh, really important to, to figure out. Because the picture we have determines a lot of what we're going to give ourselves to. Uh, and really the, the idea of our vision has a big part of navigating what we, what we do with our life and the decisions that we make, the attitudes that we choose. And so uh, we started the series really talking about the big purpose in life. And for those who follow Christ, that big purpose is to know God and to make him known. And it's really this idea that whatever I give my vision to my life, it, it always needs to be kind of underneath that big vision of trying to actually get to know who God is and also trying to help people get to know him as well. And so today we're kind of building on that further, but we're going to be talking about the vision that we have really for our hope and where we find courage. And anytime you, you need to talk about courage, you, kind of you talk about fear because courage is what you need when you face fear. And I don't know about you, but fear is actually something that, that I deal with in full disclosure. It's something I deal with on a regular basis. Daily, I may not realize it, but I face things that, that cause fear to happen. Um, I was at the dentist on Thursday. And you know what? I, I have a little bit of fear when I go to the dentist. Not a lot, but like that drill, you know? Like getting your teeth clean is good, but as soon as you hear the and then it's like, okay, open a little bit wider, okay, a little bit wider, and don't move. Whatever you do, just don't move. You know, the kind of the, the fear wells up. And in the dentist chair, I realized, like, I, I didn't think my life was, like, flashing before me, but got a little anxiety and just breathing was a little heavier. Just, I'm going to get through this. And, you know, we face that when we kind of experience pain and, and things like going to the dentist or going to the doctor, but we also experience... Fear just in view of like the world. And I don't know about you, but anytime you look at the news, uh, whether you watch it on TV or you have it on your phone and alerts come up, there's always these things that kind of pop up on our, our radar, on our screens that demand our attention. A lot of these things are kind of rooted in fear. Stock market. Crash. Worst ever. You have no more money. You know, that kind of stuff kind of gives into fear, or you look at kind of what's happening in the world, and there's like crisis, and, and all these things, and just conflicts, and, you know, it causes, causes fear to happen. And then, I just think about in my own personal life, like, what, what, what are the things that I face that cause fear for me personally? Uh, a lot of it is the future, like, I don't know what the future brings. Um, I don't know how things are going to turn out that I'm uh, invested in, and, and because of that, that causes fear. And so what I, what I realized is we have a vision, each of us, a picture of what we do when we face fear and really what we place kind of our, our hope and our, our courage in. 
And for all of us, it's important to take a step back and, and kind of ask the question, who, who do I hope in and who do I place kind of my faith in as things are stressful in my life? And for us, uh, we live in a movie world, in the media, and one of the most popular genres right now are like superheroes, and those gain a lot of momentum in the movies, they gain a lot of money, but there's an idea of like superheroes that, that resonates, because what superheroes represent is the response to the fears that people have. If there's a terrible enemy that's coming, the superhero steps in the way. If there's a crisis, the superhero solves the problem. And so there's a part of us that, like, we, we're looking for that superhero. Now, I've never seen, like, Captain America, like, well, I have in L.A. in certain parts, like, in front of different places. But the idea is we, we don't really live in a superhero world, but it, it resonates. But we do have people that we turn to. Uh, that Those could be spouses, like, when we're really in fear and just concerned, we, we can turn to, to spouses for courage. We can turn to good friends. Uh, we could turn to our, our parents, uh, we can turn to, to the church, we can turn to lots of different things. But we all have a vision. When crisis hits, what do I do? When I'm stressed out, when I'm overwhelmed, what do I do? And who do I turn to? All of us need to ask that question because the answer to that question actually is leading us in life in a lot of ways. Because we all face problems, we all face stresses, we all face fears. And what we do when those comes determines a lot of outcomes for us. So how we approach fear determines a lot of outcomes. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at how following Christ really does make a difference in the midst of the things that we're fearful of. And so I just want you to just answer this to yourself. And you don't have to, to answer this out loud at all. But I just want you to think about this question. What are you most fearful of right now in your life? What are you most fearful of right now in your life? I'm just going to give you about 10 seconds to think about that. For some of you, it's silence, and I just, I just messed you up. Or it's being asked a question in a large group. But it's really important. What, what are we fearful of? Because the answer to that question leads us to the next question, which is, right now, with the thing that you're most fearful of, what are you doing because of it? Who are you turning to or, or what steps are you taking in the midst of things that you're fearful of? Just think about that. So what are you fearful of and what are you doing in the midst of that that you're fearful of. Okay. Hopefully we, we all have something. I know I, know, I, know I do. But again, a lot of fear is rooted in the things that we cannot control. Right? Because if we can't control it, there's really nothing we can do. And so probably some of the things you're, you're thinking about is maybe there's something uh, related to somebody, a relationship, and you're fearful of it because you can't control what they do. You can't control what they say. 
That brings fear. Maybe you're experiencing fear at your, your workplace because there's some security there, but at any moment that could change. That's out of your control. There's some things that you're maybe facing in your future that you're not sure how it's going to work out. And you realize you cannot travel into the future to demand the outcomes that you want and then travel back. It doesn't work like that. So it's just unknown. So we face unknown after unknown after unknown and after unknown. And these things cause a lot of fear. And then what we do when we face it shows what we hope in. So for a follower of Jesus, what really kind of becomes the crossing point of when that relationship becomes real is when you decide, whatever I face that I cannot control, I'm going to choose to trust in God. Trust in God in the scriptures is really the idea of faith. You may have heard of that word faith, and faith can kind of feel like it's just this this nebulous word, but faith is really this idea that I'm going to trust in God... And take action to do that. This idea of action. Faith is action-oriented trust that happens every day when we face the things that we cannot control. And the picture that God wants for everyone on the face of the earth is to respond to fear with that faith. The idea, no matter what I face that I cannot control, no matter what I experience, that's unknown, that I don't know how it's going to work out, I'm going to choose to trust in God and choose faith. And I want to just spend some time walking through just this group of people found in the New Testament. And I've described this before uh, in different ways, but in Christianity, you see the beginning of the church really through the life of Jesus. And so when you read uh, different books of the Bible, specifically Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Those are the books in the New Testament, the first four books, that describe Jesus Christ. And they describe his ministry, the things that he did, the things that he said. They're really the accounts, the eyewitness accounts of his life. That's the beginning of the church, of the Christian movement centered on Jesus Christ. The fact that he came, he lived a perfect life. He died for all those who were sinners. So he died for every single one of us and he rose again. And the first four books of the New Testament are describing that. Then there's a book that comes right after that called Acts. And it's a description of the Acts of the New Testament church. So after Jesus left, and he gave them just this example of what it means to follow him, Acts is the description of what did they do? How, How did they kind of navigate being this new church, this new Christian Thing that hadn't really existed before. And their general, their, their teacher, the one that they followed, Jesus, is no, is no longer with them. And so this, in this book of Acts, you get this, this raw picture of people who are facing incredible amounts of fear and unknown because they don't know how things are going to work out. So I want to just walk you through this, this kind of climate in this time. So if you could imagine uh, everything that they had kind of stood for and wanted to follow was found in Jesus. And they gave their lives to him. And he died on the cross. And you could imagine when he died, all of his followers thought, everything we've stood for now is, is destroyed. Because the one that we followed and the one we've decided to be loyal to is, is dead. And you can imagine just the amount of just hopelessness. Well, on the third day, he rises again. So you could see this kind of newfound hope. Okay, the person we followed 
died, but now he rose again. This is amazing. I knew we were a part of something. You kind of hear them talking about like, he said he was going to do it, but of course we didn't believe it because that's never happened before. And just the talking and all the fear kind of hopelessness turns to hope again because he's alive. And then Jesus stays with them a while and he explains what happened. And he teaches them a little bit more. And then he ascends back into heaven. This is like the Reader's Digest. I'm like summarizing verses and verses and verses. But he ascends back into heaven. So you could see like they go this roller coaster of emotions following Jesus. He's here with us. He sets the example. He does some miracles. He's killed and he's dead. He rises back again. All is well, but he's only with us for a short time and he ascends back into heaven. And now we're left all alone. So now they're kind of at the bottom. And they're left with, okay, everything that I've done, everything that I've built, everything that I've told you, you do. And I'm going to see you later. I'm going to see you later. And he leaves. He ascends and he's back in heaven. So their face was just this unknown this great fear. And at the time, there's these Jewish religious leaders who are unsure of this new movement. And they knew all that had happened with Jesus. And they knew that they really had decided that he needed to be punished and killed for the things that he had said, the statements that he made. And so these Jewish religious leaders were very fearful of this new Christian movement because they weren't exactly sure how that was going to impact their own lives, their own well-being. And there became like this, this power struggle with the Jewish leaders. Like, what are we going to do with this new Christian movement? And so what the disciples did, really when Jesus left, they kind of gathered together and said, okay, well, he told us what we need to do. Are, are we going to do it? And what began to happen, they just began to teach about what Jesus had taught them and about what they had seen. And they began to tell people that the hope that you have in your life is to turn your life over to Jesus, just like we turned our life over to Jesus. And in one particular sermon, one of the disciples named Peter gave a message in which 3,000 people decided to become Christians. 3,000 people decided, I, I want to believe what you believe. I want to follow Jesus like you follow Jesus. And so there's just tremendous momentum with this fragile new group of Christians. And new followers are deciding to follow and they're, they're gaining momentum. But the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders are deciding, okay, what do we do with this? There's this great movement. Thousands of people have just decided to become Christians. We, we've, got to, we've got to put an end to that. And so I'm just going to walk you through some things that happened that really could cause fear for these new Christians. And really what, what we can learn from that. So I'm going to pick up in Acts 5, 12 and 13. It says, now many signs and wonders are regularly done among the hands of the apostles. Those are the followers of Christ. So many things are happening, like there's power that is displayed. The power of Jesus is displayed in, in the fact that people are healed and miracles are done. So people are seeing this, this power and not sure what to do with it. And there they were all together in Solomon's portico. And listen to this in verse 13. None of the rest there joined them, but the people held them in high esteem. So what's happening is these new Christians are helping people. They're doing the work of the ministry. They're deciding people are in need and they're helping to meet needs. People are sick and they're helping to heal them. And so you're seeing just all these people. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where somebody's performing something and like the crowd gathers 
And then they get out the hat like, glad you enjoyed the show. And you're just like, oh my goodness, I didn't know it cost anything. It's kind of awkward. Well, this is the same thing. They're not charging people money. They're just doing what Jesus had told them to do. And of course, as like the little people gather, more people gather. And then as more people gather, what happens? Even more come. And then when more come, even more. And you just crowds everywhere. And then that statement in verse 13 is saying like, people are enjoying the show. People are enjoying what's happening. And they actually think, you know, these guys seem credible. They hide them in high esteem. They're not crazy. They're doing something that I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it seems legit. So they're skeptical, but not really coming against them. But in verse 13, you see this idea of they didn't dare join them. That's an interesting statement. There's so much things that are happening and people's lives are changed. But then there's these group of people. These are really the crowds that are seeing what's happening. They just, "Ah, I don't think I don't think I can cross the line between just observing and spectating to actually I want to be a part of what you're doing. And so they were just on the the background. So all this is happening. People are liking seeing it. But there's a lot of fear involved because they're not sure what's going to happen to these Christians. Okay, so I want to pick up. A little bit later in verse 17 and 18. So again, there's this struggle going on because the religious leaders of the time are not sure what to do with this new Christian group. But the high priest, this is the Jewish high priest, rose up and all who were with him. This is the Sadducees, the party of the Sadducees. And they were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. So 3,000 people turned to Christianity Profess their faith in Jesus Christ. And the Jewish leaders at the time had no idea what to do. So all they thought was, well, we have power in the religion. We have power in politics because they've given us the power to actually put people in jail. Let's, let's use that power to squash this movement. And so they put the apostles in prison. So they've experienced a lot. But at the point you get thrown in jail, do you think it becomes real to them? Yeah, you know, at that point that you're saying, well, you either follow Jesus and you get put in jail or you denounce that and you can be free. And so the apostles and all the followers at the time had to make a decision. What am I going to do in the midst of fear? Certainly prison represents fear and the unknown. How long are they going to be in there? What would they experience? All their freedom was taken away. Their security would be gone. They'd have no more jobs. Who would disown them? All these things, I'm sure, went through their mind. They decided, I, I, will, be, I will be loyal to Jesus. And, and, and they, were, they were put in jail. Now, in verse 26 through 32, you see more things develop in the story. Acts 5.26, it says, Then the captain with the officers went and brought them. But no, Oh, you know, I missed something. Sorry. This is an important part of the story. It's not even going to make sense if I missed that. I'm going to go back to verse 19. You'll be like, I have no idea what is happening. So verse 19 picks up where they're in prison. Okay. So, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Okay. So we've been talking about fear and the different things they're experiencing. They're in prison. Now, being in prison is terrible. What about when the door is open of the prison and the angel appears? There's another opportunity for fear. Okay, at least we knew like no one could get in here. 
Now the doors have been opened. And now we're told to go back out to the very people that put us in there. Moment of fear, right? And then in verse 21, and when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So this is just an amazing picture of numerous occasions, of numerous circumstances that they're facing. And again, they choose, okay, I'm, I'm going to do what Jesus told us to do. He wanted us to tell people about how to turn their life over to Jesus Christ. He wanted us to tell the truth about who God is and what he stands for. He wants us to tell people the difference Jesus made in our own life. And we were put in jail because of that. Then we were put in jail and then an angel of God released us so we could continue to do it. And they chose again and again. They were going to stay true to that which they'd been told. Okay, so they, they began to teach. They arrived back in the courtyard. Now, verse 26 goes on. It says, then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force. They were afraid of being stoned by the people. So these prisoners are now escaped convicts, it could seem like. And no one knows how they got out of jail, but they appear in the temple. And the religious leaders think, well, we can't just let them stay out here, but we can't necessarily hurt them because people are listening to them. People are are following them. It's very interesting. These are the very things that people said about Jesus. And we have to make sure that we're not, you know, going to have the people riot against us. Okay? And so they, they get them back. They didn't want to be stoned by the people. They didn't want to be kind of the people that stopped these Christians from helping people. They didn't want to seem like that. And so they were just trying to, okay, just come with us. Could you imagine the freed by an angel, go back to the temple, and the religious leader's like, hey, guys, um, just come this way. Like, I know this is a dark alley, but just, you know. There's a new, new little place to eat over here. You know, I don't know how that went, but they're just how do you lull this, this group back, back to prison? It says, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them. So there's like this interrogation now saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Okay, that's very interesting. You'll see that. We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Whose name are they talking about? Okay, if you need a church and there's ever a question in church, if you answer Jesus, you'll be right 60% of the time. Just a little insider info right there. But this name, he can't say his name. But we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. And everyone knew he was talking about Jesus. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood Upon us. The idea is, we've told you not to teach about this man, Jesus, who we crucified and who rose again. But you keep teaching about this and you keep explaining to people what happened. People are going to start having issue with us because of what we did to this man. And so you can see there's just a ton of fear. So it's very interesting. What you're seeing is these two responses to fear. You have the religious leaders, the high priests. Who everything they were measuring by, what is man going to do if we act in this way? And so what they're fearful of is, is of man. If we condemn you and hurt you, they're going to come and get us. Um, if you keep teaching them about Jesus and the fact that we killed him and he was crucified, his blood is going to be upon us. There's just the sense that they're just fearful of what people will think of them. 
the apostles, the, the early Christians, they have to decide, you know, instead of being fearful of man, we have to fear God and, and Him alone. We have to be loyal to Him. And then there's a statement that Peter, this is again the same guy that was teaching, and God moved and many people came to know him. He makes this statement which gives the vision of his life. And for every follower of Jesus, this statement is the same vision that God wants us to have in our life as well. And this is what he said in light of the accusations. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The high priest is saying, we strictly told you. We put you in jail. We need to stop this. And basically begging the question, why do you keep disobeying us as your authority? And they answered, we must obey God rather than men. So there was really a line drawn where they knew that they couldn't obey the authority over them because it actually went against what God had told them. So there's this, there's this, this civil disobedience to do what is righteous before God. And you see this in this scripture. And that took a tremendous amount of courage. They're just saying, we're, we're going to choose to be loyal to God. And there's tons of things that we are fearful of right now. We're fearful of the fact that we just said that to you and what you're going to do because we said that. We're fearful of the very prison that you sent us to that we're going to have to go back there. They're fearful for their life because they could lose it. And actually many did for their faith and for the statement that they made. So again and again they were just faced with this tremendous amount of fear, tremendous amount of unknown. But they had a vision for their life. And their vision was when it came down to it, Whatever they were fearful of, whatever unknown they faced, they knew they needed to obey God more than any other thing that they were fearful of. They chose loyalty to him. Now, Peter goes on to explain why this is so. So, if you're like me, sometimes you read these stories in the, the, the Bible, and there's this sense of like, what, is that? what does that look like here and now for us today in Southern California what kind of courage would we need to do and express? And it, it's, it's hard to sometimes just kind of bring it into our own context. And it can seem just like so like ancient, just this, this riot and the prison and escape, you know, but this is actually happening in the world today. People are still deciding this. We haven't gotten to the point where that's happening in our country, but we could get there. We'll have to choose, do we follow God or do we follow man? But what Peter is doing, and he's setting an example, of, he's showing where his courage is rooted, and his courage is rooted in the hope that he has. So back to the beginning question I asked, what are you most fearful of? And then what are you doing in response to that shows where you have your hope. Because whenever you face fear, what you choose to do about it shows what you have hope in. If that's turning to somebody, you have hope in them. If that's trying to solve your problem yourself, you have hope in yourself. If it's turning to the government, you have hope in the government. Whatever it is. What Peter's explaining it, for us, for us, those of us who follow Christ, we've decided that our courage is rooted in our hope in Jesus Christ. That was their vision. And he goes on to describe it in verse 30. So, 
the high priests are saying, you know, this man, you speak of this man, and didn't really want to get to the heart of it. And so Peter just decided, let's, let's just get real with each other. You're arresting us. You don't like what we're doing. And we're basically saying that we're going to obey God, not you. So Peter decides this is a teachable moment. And he's going to take it. And this is what he describes. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Now, if you're standing like in a way before trial and you're kind of before like the judge and jury, you kind of stay clear of statements like this, right? Because you're basically saying, this is on you. You did this. You're saying this man, you don't want to say his name, but I'm actually going to explain what you did. He says, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. And he further explains, God exalted him at his right hand as leader. Okay? If you follow Jesus as a Christian, he is your leader. He's your boss. What he says, we will do. That's the assumption. It's not a belief that just is hanging somewhere. It's a belief, again, that translates into daily action of trusting in him because he's the leader. We follow him. We do what he says. So he's the leader and he's the savior. He saves us from ourselves. He saves us from our fears. He saves us from the unknown. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So he's our leader and he's our savior. In him, we can be forgiven. The reason we take courage is because there's no other way for us to be forgiven except through him. This is what they're explaining. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So what Peter is saying is, we have to follow God. In every decision we make, we have to follow God. In every fearful thing we face, we have to follow God. In anything that's unknown, we have to follow God. In the, fit, in the midst of persecution, we have to follow God. In the midst of our circumstances, we have to follow God. You, you get the picture. He's saying there's no situa- situation or scenario which you can present to us that will cause us not to obey God because He is where our loyalty lies. And in what I just read, He describes why that is so. Because He is God, risen from the dead, given forgiveness to us, And there is no other person or thing that we can turn to that has given us the example and experience that God himself gave through Jesus Christ. What Peter's describing is there's no one else we can hope in because no one else can do what Jesus did. So they have this experience, this vision. We will obey God rather than men because we have seen what God does through those who follow him. They've experienced their changed life. They've experienced God using them. And you mentioned at the end of this, the Holy Spirit. They've experienced the power that comes. When you turn to, to follow Jesus Christ, he gives you the Holy Spirit, and you get power that you've never had before. It's God's power. It's not a feeling. It's actually power. And it's his. And so they have a vision that says, no matter what we face, No matter what unknown, no matter what fear, we are going to follow God rather than men. And this picture that they had, they took with them everywhere that they went. And they shared with people the difference that God's power in following him 
made in their life. And this is what they shared. So it's an amazing in this moment, they had the opportunity to share with some of the highest leaders. And that opportunity wouldn't have come unless they had obeyed God. So the very steps that they were saying they had to do led them to have an opportunity that they would not have had if they just cowered in fear. And so if you're a Christ follower, this serves an example as what can happen if you decide to draw the line and say, I'm going to obey God rather than men. When I face the things that I do not know, I'm going to choose to follow the one I can know, and that's Jesus. It's amazing. The Christian movement and what God has done throughout hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years stemmed from people like this who decided to take a stand for what is right. And so I just wanted to present this because it just gives this picture. Despite the things that cause fear and cause us to kind of just be stuck in the moment because of, we're not sure what's going to happen, if you decide to follow Jesus, you actually have a power that pulls you past the fears that you face. You have a God who can be known that can pull you past the things that you do not know, the things that you are not sure that's going to work out. And it happens experientially. They'd experienced that Jesus was who he said he was, and he had changed them. And that statement is so powerful. So I just want to talk about just a couple things. To take this principle, obeying God rather than men, and this idea of, of choosing loyalty. Who am I going to turn to when I face problems, when I face fears? And there's a few things that you can do right here and right now to take courage and choose loyalty. And I just want to walk, walk through that uh, in closing. The first is, if you want to really experience this, you can begin to pray to God as you battle fear. If you've never prayed before to God, and you're not even sure what that looks like, what you do is when a fear comes, whatever that fear is, let's just say it's a fear, a, a fear of this unknown, um, you know, you have maybe an unknown situation at work and, and you, you have no idea how it's going to turn out, but you're fearful of it. When that fear comes, and a lot of times we know what fear is, we it's different for each of us, but it's those scenarios like, but what if, what if it, it starts with what if, when what if goes and you start, well, what if I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what if, that's what your mind is doing. That's fear. Or like, oh, you're overwhelmed by all the unknown. That's fear. When you run scenarios and you realize like, wow, I've just created a world in my mind that doesn't exist of all the things that could happen, but haven't that may happen that haven't. And before you know it, you've just created this whole world. That's fear. So when that happens, you just pray. You just say something like this. God, I'm facing an unknown situation. And there are a lot of things that are involved. And I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm, I'm really fearful. God, will you help me with my fear and to realize that there's nothing I can do? So I, I just pray, God, that, that you'll, you'll work this out. You just, you just cry, out, you cry out to God for help. In the midst of that, you, just, you pray to God and you ask Him for help to battle fear. We each have what those are. So you just begin, God, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by this. The unknown, I'm overwhelmed by all these things. God, help me to not run all the scenarios, but help me to, to trust in you. 
it just begins with, with, with just praying to God and inviting Him in to the situation you find yourself. God is not a distant God. God is a close God. But when we pray, we recognize that He is right here. And we can invite Him into what we're facing, whatever unknown it is. Another thing we can take courage by is taking a stand for something as God directs. You may be in a situation where you actually have to choose loyalty. And God leads us to certain places in life, whether that's at work, whether that's with our friends, whether that's with our family, whatever situation we find ourselves in, there's a point in which God says, it's time for you to choose who you're loyal to. And you may be facing that right now. There may be some relationships where you realize that they're wanting you to be loyal to something that you can't because you follow Jesus. There may just be an opportunity. You have to take a stand. You have to choose. We are going to follow God rather than man. And I don't know what that is for you, but I'm just thinking through that in my own life. Are there things that I just have to take a stand for which shows my faith is in God and Him alone and I'm not going to fear anything that's going to happen? And the last, and this is kind of really personal as well, it, it may just be dying to myself in the moment. A lot of times faith comes from all the things that we're fearful of because we don't know how they're going to work out. And that represents a lot of things that we desire in life. Maybe there's just kind of this future that we've kind of put on display and we've always had this picture of what our life will be and where we'll be and the kind of job we'll have, the kind of money we'll make, the kind of people we'll be having life with. And there just might be fear there because it's not turning out. Or it seems like the path isn't quite as straight as you thought. So sometimes we just have to choose courage by dying to the things that we really want. There might be a relationship that you really want that you realize that you cannot have. You choose faith by saying, God, it's not my will, but your will. I'm going to choose faith in the midst of the fear. It could be security that you've had in your finances. You just get to a point where you're like, God, help me to just redo my picture of the good life and to trust in you in the midst of it. Help me to redo my picture of what my retirement or my savings or my checking account should be. You may have to let go of that. But God continues to bring us to the point where we have to choose loyalty. We have to turn to him when we face the fear. And ultimately, we have to choose what, what we're going to live for. And so those that have gone before us have said, you have to get to the point where you say, I'm going to choose God and obey him more than anything else. Before I pray, if, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ and you can't speak like the apostles, like this idea of he's the leader and the savior, but you just recognize you, you need that or you sense that, man, I, I'm kind of longing for help and I'm battling fear and I'm battling some things that I just are overwhelming. If, if you're at the point where you sense you need to turn your life over to Jesus, you can do that today. In fact, you can let us know on the back of the connection card that Jeremy had you fill out. There's a place where you can... Uh, send or check a box which says, send me information about beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've never committed your life to follow Jesus, but you want to experience this power and, and frankly, you want to experience this trust, uh, you can mark that and, and we'd love to send you some information and also talk to you about that. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to pray. Um, we're going to be receiving our offering as soon as I'm done. And then you can put those a completed connection cards in there as it comes by. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for 
the example of those who have gone before us, who decided that no matter what the cost, uh, they're going to obey you. And I, I pray that you'll allow us to apply that into the situations we're currently facing. And we all have different fears and concerns and things that are cripple us. And God, I pray that, that we will choose today to trust in you in the midst of it. And if there's somebody here that's never decided to, to trust in you and turn their life over to you, I pray, God, that you will draw them to yourself and allow them to realize that once they decide to follow you, you provide the help. You provide the direction. And there's nothing that we can do except turn to you. And so I pray that we'll do that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, Alex. Show hope can rise again up from the grave. Abide with me, abide with me. Don't let me fall and don't let go. Walk with me and never leave. 